All right, with that said, let's move on then to the final conversation of the day, a uh, conversation in conversation with Sasa. Let me welcome Fanisa Toha, who is the General Manager for Grants Operations. And Dadesa Toha, good morning to you, and thank you so much for coming back to the show. Um, thanks a lot, um, Kathy, and to your listeners. I would like to say good morning to everyone back um, in home. I think a good place for us to start today would be just giving you an opportunity to come back and and just give us the follow-up in terms of the progress that you have made with resolving the issues that were raised when you were on air last week. Because I think it's been about um, probably just under a week since we spoke, but have there been any changes? Um, Kathy... Let me indicate that um, there hasn't been uh, much um, um, uh, traction specifically on concluding the contractual issues um, which we are still busy with. And uh, amongst reasons there is because some of the approvals need to be coming from uh, the National uh, Treasury um, uh, so that we can be able to continue once those approvals have been have been granted. But we should be done um, not long. Uh, as I've indicated, there is um, a, a, a substantiative uh, background uh, movement that have happened. I think it's a matter of uh, concluding. Once the approvals have been sought, then it will be a matter of uh, then concluding the one-to-one um, uh, discussions with the affected entities that we are to conclude the agreements with. But administratively, I think a number of things have been are almost set. So, so what does that mean? That means that um, since we last spoke, there hasn't been much progress in terms of the agreements with the bank, so nothing has been signed yet. So those yes. clients who had opted for the cash send option um, are still waiting for their grants and they're still going to wait some time longer? Um, let me say they're still waiting for their grants, mm. um, but I can't say they will wait longer because should um, should we be um, given a go-ahead sometime uh, this week, it would mean we'll then be able to uh, start uh, having those one-to-ones with the affected banks. But otherwise, you are you are spot on. And what about the problems that the system was having when it came to people changing their details? Um, so changing their method of payment details. Um, as far as that is concerned, um, that issue is no longer there. I think we have since managed to find um, better ways of uh, ensuring that people can change their, their banking details uh, frequently. You'll recall in the past what we had done was we were not, uh, we would open up, we will have a, um, an, an open week in a month wherein we were allowing people to change their details, then we will close, and then we will open it up again the following month. But what has then happened is, um, is that we had since uh, made a substantiative uh, changes on the system. Basically, people can now be able to go and change their, their banking details anytime, um, anytime uh, as they so wish. 
So they can change it Monday to Friday. We no longer have a, uh, a limitation where we open up in a week, one week uh, in a month, etc. So that has been sorted. Let me go straight to the questions and calls that we're getting on this issue. Uh, Musa in Kwaduguza wants to know um, why Sasa solely relies on outdated and inaccurate information sources like the UIF and SARS to verify if applicants are employed or not. Let me indicate that we're not relying on um, outdated information. Katie, I think as a starter, we are obligated by law to verify each applicant against um, a number of data sources, and SARS and UIF are among those. Now, um, because the circumstances of people changes frequently, so one of the things that happens is that these entities, on a mass basis, they will then send us refreshed databases. Now, okay, we we trust that the databases that are shared with us and they are referred to as refreshed or updated are indeed updated. So it's not like um, we're relying on outdated uh, uh, information. But, Katie, also to indicate that, remember, we have, and I said it when I was here last, last week, that um, we have a recourse mechanism in place. In an instance where a person has been declined, and they strongly believe that they don't trust, um, that they don't believe in that decision. They are convinced that uh, they, they qualify. We have a recourse mechanism, which is in the form of um, an appeal. They can actually um, uh, submit an appeal, which once we have received the appeal, we will then go beyond your some of these databases that I've alluded to will will go and they will start now going into the bank accounts, etc. So we would then expand it uh, further. But this further expansion, we only do it uh, with clients that have appealed because, Katie, understand it costs money. Today, data and, and, and data verification has become the next goal. It's extremely expensive. So we can't do it with all the 12.9 people that have applied and um, and, and, and goes into their bank accounts, all of them. It will be too expensive for us. But we're saying if you have been declined and you are not uh, happy with that decision, you can lodge an appeal. If you do submit an appeal, we'll then um, dig further and, um, the, and reconsider our decision if we, are, if we, we find that we were on the wrong. So just on that issue, and again, the last time that you were on, there were a lot of people that were saying they had the, 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 a similar experience. And I'm going to take it through Anonymous from Kabeja, who is saying that my SRD application is declined by Sasa. The reason is alternative income identified. I'm shocked because in which income? Because the last time I had a job was in 2019. I applied for reconsideration. I think that's the appeal, and it's still pending. Can your guest explain to me how this is possible for someone not, for someone unemployed, not receiving any source of income, but declined? Um, Katie, in reality, there is never smoke without fire. Where there is smoke, there is fire. So, like I said, fortunate enough that um, anonymous person has. Um, um, submitted an, an, a, an appeal, and surely once we uh, complete checking with um, external sources, 
the further external sources we will confirm um, if indeed our position is still the same or whether we are changing it. I must indicate that um, this morning we were dealing with a, a typical case similar to this one of, of an, an anonymous. There was an article that appeared in one of uh, prominent newspapers in this country. Um, a, a story was written. So we dig deeper to an extent that we, we wanted to, to hear further details around the story uh, with the right. Now, it emerged, Katie, that number one, the author of that article in, in that newspaper is a journalist. And a journalist that was saying um, uh, there's many people who were declined, etc., etc. So we dig deeper only to find that the same author of the article had actually applied. We declined him. He appealed. We declined him. Now, he wrote a story. Um, the story was depicted as if it's a, it's a beneficiary who has been subjected to undue hardship by Sasa. You won't believe when we dig deeper only to find that this person has got multiple bank accounts. Um, and with those multiple bank accounts, three of them are actually busy accounts. They've the inflow. Uh, deposits that are happening, uh, that, 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 are, that are taking place. So all what I'm saying is, Kathy, mm-hmm. if they lodge an appeal, we will be able to, um, to, to check additional data sources. And if we are on the wrong, we'll definitely approve them. And if, if, uh, if we find that there is um, a income flows that are really taking place, we will stick to our position, uh, remain uh, uh, with a, a declined uh, outcome. So, Mr. Satoka, are you saying that there was a there is a working journalist that had applied for this relief? Exactly. And when they were declined, wrote a story about how the system was inefficient. And and how Sasa is um, um, frustrating people on the ground. Just before I came here, we were just going through the fact that we were able to pick up with this particular. A, a person. That's a so very serious I'm, allegation, Dr. Sato. It, it, it is. So all what I'm saying is, Kathy, a number of people, the story is almost the same. We will decline them, they will lodge an appeal, we go dig deeper, and we continue to decline them because there's actually fire there. So what I'm saying is there can't be smoke without fire. Yes, if our um, if we find that uh, there's nothing that we are able to pick up as we, we, we check additional uh, sources, of course, we will then approve you um, and you will, you will start getting your grant. But it is not always the case that um, we just decline people because we want to frustrate them. And which publication are we talking about here? Um, I don't think uh, at the moment I'm at liberty to be able to, um, to disclose it because... Um, our investigation um, is not yet concluded, but definitely um, uh, such can be availed at a later stage when we are done. But we are getting a number of this kind of scenario. All right. Certainly a, a concerning development there. Uh, Gio, you're calling us from the Eastern Cape. Good morning. Hello, uh, Gio? Gio. Gio. Okay. Apologies for that. Hello, Gio. Uh, I just, before I have a question, Casey, I just wanted to check why is it Sasa reluctant to come and look at the proposed 
uh, services that we rendered, we offered to them last year when the COVID-19 started. Why I'm saying so, Kathy, most of the key things that are frustrating the, the people on the ground is just those glitches which require someone who only works on the administrative part. Then you also provide a solution that is the end part for the displacement of the money. I've, 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 I've written to SAPO, the postal offices, South African post offices, which is their key partner for non-bankers. And SAPO has just recently looked at the retail stores and overlooked us whom applied to SASA and SAPO to say, we have a solution where people don't have to go to town because the retail stores, most of them, they are in town. To go to town, you must take a taxi fare. But we had a solution where you, you apply now, we verify you now. In a space of a, of a 10 minutes' time, we are able to say this person can be paid money. We actually paid people 500,000 rands with our money to show the modality of the service to Sasa. But they never considered it. Is it because you are an African child or is it because you must be a big retail store to be considered? I just want to check with that because that service is what kept it. Even now, if you were to broke a story, you would find out that here in Eastern Cape, we had a solution that we submitted to SASA as early as April last year when National Treasury allowed them to deviate from procurement for, for the necessity and the benefit of, of South Africans. Just want to, to check with them how far they, they are far with, the, with that uh, uh, proposal we submitted to them. And that is it, Tuha. I, I don't know if you're aware of the proposal Gio is talking about. Um, I will not be aware, Katie, because I'm into operations. I'm not into procurement, unfortunately. Um, I would not. Um, I would not be aware of that. But why not? Because administration of grants is part of your line function. The um, assessment of grants is part of a line function. Why would you not be okay. aware? For instance, Diane Dunkley. Just, just colleague. hang on, Gio. Allow him to finish. Uh, Kathy, understand that we we work in a in a controlled uh, environment. Um, there is um, legislation that um, um, that is in place that we we cannot just do as we wish. Um, and you must also understand that SASA generally um, uh, uh, there is a a, a number of um, uh, individuals and entities that keeps on submitting unsolicited bids. And you know, uh, Kathy, um, uh, that we, we operate in a public finance uh, management act um, um, a space. We, we can't just okay, um, okay, okay, go okay. left or right as we so wish. But like I said, I'm into operations. I'm not in a finance environment and I'm not in an ICT environment. So he can't insist that I need to know. It's like somebody insisting the security guard that, hey, you must know. You must know that... Um, there is uh, approval happening in this uh, organization because you are in this uh, life. That's okay. not how it works. Um, Katie, you are, you, you are interviewing me, but there's an engineer behind. There's somebody in finance. There's somebody in ICT. So I think uh, the caller who's on the line, uh, he, is, um, he, he sounds no, like somebody who's educated and who understands how the these things work. Okay. All right. Okay, Gio. I think we're going to have to pause it there because it's 11.30. I need to go to news headlines with Nomsa Mduli. Nomsa, good morning. Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're talking to Fanny Setoha, who is the general manager for grants operations at SASA. Uh, Fanny, a question here about how long one has to wait 
after appealing for uh, Sasa, after appealing for decline, if the decline reason is updated? Uh, that's a message from from Jabu there. Okay, so uh, basically, Kathy, how it works is with this particular um, um, uh, 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 grant. All clients, for example, we had received 12.9 million applications. So on a monthly basis, the 12 million um, applications that applicants that we have, we recheck them against these databases that um, we receive from these external entities. And if we still find you there, we will keep on declining you. But in an instance where a, a person lodges an appeal, like I've said, basically that's when we, we go a step outside of the traditional databases that we use, your GEPF, your UIF, and as far as our correctional services and all of those. We go outside of that boundary and even go to an extent of, of accessing the, the, the bank account. So um, that part, what with this new uh, uptick of the COVID-19 SRD applications, one of the, the improvements we have done is that um, appeal outcomes are going to be availed far more frequently than in the past. Going forward, we are going to have the outcomes being available on a monthly basis, unlike in the past. In other words, every month we will have uh, um, the appeal outcomes being, uh, being provided to, to the appellants. But for now, we are just waiting for the process that I've explained us having to conclude the, the contract um, uh, with the, with the, with the uh, financial institution. Al, you're calling us from Eastern Cape. Good morning. Hi, Katie. And uh, to the gentleman from the SASA, I'm definitely not a journalist and very highly unemployed. Hello, Katie. You, you're definitely what, Al? Very highly unemployed. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a journalist. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, the gentleman from, from SASA, for starters, the, the, the line where you are supposed to write an appeal has not been working since maybe last month, the last time I called. It, you, you will never get through to that 0800 number. Uh, and not of all, all of us have uh, access to email. For, for, for example, I had to have someone in Joburg to apply for me. Now, I don't know whether what is my status or what is happening. And even the last IFSTR, I never received it. I'm one of those who are in the two. What can we help you with? That is a Hello? Yes, ma'am. I, I I had some portions of it and some I, I battled to, um, um, to hear the better part. If you can just uh, reiterate it for me, Kathy. So part of what he's saying is that he has struggled with the call center, especially where he needs to lodge the appeal process that he he hasn't been getting help on the call center. He's then asked people to uh, try and work on this application for him from from Johannesburg. So, Kathy, yeah, I, I think I got that. Thanks very much. Um, just to indicate that... Um, our call center is um, is fully functional, and I must say, um, certain times of the day, Kathy, 
and we do receive a huge number of calls and you can imagine if we have uh, 12.9 million people that have applied you can then think about uh, how many other people are actually calling our call center so so because of that we sometimes have a um, that line gets uh, congested but we've got a functional call center we what we had done late last year was uh, to source services of an external service provider because generally our our arrangement is that our call center we is in source. In other words, we're using our own staff that are running the call center. But late last year, we went a step further and insourced a services I and mean services of an external company uh, to come help us as well to complement our own um, our own uh, uh, personnel. So. Um, the 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 caller in coming to the call center, I think a bit of patience is required, but I can tell you our call center is fully functional. So like like um, he has indicated, I think Kathy, we need to accept that it is not a sin to be assisted by a a fellow a citizen or a a, a relative or a neighbor. I think um, I, I I appreciate the. Uh, in his letter comment where he's indicated that he had to ask somebody to help him. Um, but we, the, the, the process, like, like I said, you can also be able to lodge such an appeal through alternative channels such as uh, through the, our website where that is not possible. I think uh, where there's been external help that would have been provided, uh, uh, that is still another option that can be followed. But in reality, our call center is functional. Uh, it happens to be congested at certain times of the day. El, does that answer your question? Uh, I'm here again. Uh, unfortunately, we seem to be moving from a premise that we all have access to the emails and all that. Mm. I'm in one of those rural, deep rural areas in the Eastern Cape. So I don't have access to either the network, the email, and or, or, or everything. So... The uh, the the call center is my last resort, and as I tell you, it's never accessible. Even when you go to the district office, the ladies there they simply show you the the note on the wall that if you come here for the after uh, contact number, they can't they can't help you at the district office now. Mm. Okay. I don't know what is the communication between the his office. As he's speaking, and the outside district office, where we can work in there, and they chase us away. And I think it's an important point that you're raising, Al, because, you know, not everybody is able to access some of the platforms that are available online. And the walk-in office, the walk-in office is, is and should be an alternative. Uh, Mr. Satoka? Um, I think... If I was to take you back in, 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 in January, February, when we had done the, the, the mass lapsing of uh, the temporary disability grant, mm. those cases that we lapsed in January, they were around 210,000. Now, 210,000, when they tend, when they started turning into our office, I'm talking 210,000 across the country. When they started turning into our offices, our offices were highly congested, and the media was tearing us apart as if uh, we are a bunch of people that can't think. Now, let's look at this at FRP 350 grant. 12.9 people applied. 
Now, if um, um, just um, 10% or 5% of these people were to turn out into our offices, what do you think will happen? If, if the offices choked 210,000 people. So this particular grant type, Kathy uh, uh, and listeners out there, it was, we, we, we understood and we were aware that there will be a large turnout of people wanting to apply for it. And hence, the channels that were, were, were made available were actually contactless channels. Kathy, I want to indicate that there is SASA this time around does not, people do not have to access SASA through the call center alone. People can be able to access us through our um, our Facebook page, through our uh, the, uh, the the WhatsApp. Um, they can also be able to to access us through that as well and um, and 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 raise the issues which they have because not only the call center is the channel that is available to reach out to SASA. But in a nutshell, the grant is meant to be uh, contactless. So, of course, w- one of the difficulties is that where people don't have enough access to data, um, that means that they're closed off from any of these channels that you're speaking about, WhatsApp, uh, Facebook, or or just the online system that, that you guys are running. And so... If I can't then also put in a call to the regional center, then it means that there is a very strong argument that one can that one can make that that certain people are actually excluded from from fully being able to access um, uh, some of these mechanisms. I think that's where Ndata Al is coming from, and he's speaking from experience. And so, what does somebody like him? What then do they do? What, what, what solution is on the table for him? Um, Kathy, there was an application that was submitted. And, and what I like about him is he submitted an application through this channel. He submitted an application through this channel. Now, where we are, he's saying, uh, look, I want to come back and lodge an appeal, but I'm going through the call center and the, that call center line is too busy. And all what I'm saying is uh, that there is more than one channel of getting hold of Sasa. And he's raising the issue, that I hear you, The call, I try to call, the call center is busy. And you say, well, you know, we have the online options. And he's saying, I can't access those online options because it's not so easy for us. We are out in the rural areas. That's the point that he's making. And so, so I'm asking you, what then does somebody somebody in that situation do who says, you know, if I was able to get some kind of assistance, even when calling the district office, that's he began by saying, even if I can call them, and have some kind of assistance, but they don't take our calls, and obviously they're not taking any walk-in visits. So, what does somebody like him do? I think, Casey, like I said, that um, the call center, certain times of the day, um, it it gets busy. So basically, um, Casey, I think a bit of patience is also uh, necessary uh, for some of the callers to try it at, at different times, because I mean. Um, the reality is that, Kathy, we can't let um, 12 million 
12.9 million people, or, or we can't get left, uh, 3 million people going into offices. I think um, uh, take into account the scenario that I told you, only 200,000 people that we left when they turned out, we, we were congested um, for, for months because those offices, they're not massive um, structures. They're not the size of a, uh, of a soccer pitch. We don't have a bus full of, uh, of staff. They are reasonable offices to, to service a reasonable number of clients. But if we are to open up uh, that, um, the offices for these clients to go there, I can tell you, Casey, uh, social assistance um, uh, services will come to a standstill because we will then be dealing with uh, inquiries for SRG 350 alone. So all what I'm all what I'm asking for is that um, if there can be a bit of patience for um, for for them to um, to try and, and and access us at at different times, where in calls can go through because people are accessing us. Um, uh, on a daily basis. I think possibly next time when we meet, I must actually share with you our stats in terms of how many calls are we getting in a day so that you guys can understand that um, the call center is functional. It's just a matter of um, when does a person call and um, how unfortunate do they become at, at that moment when they are trying to access us. Anonymous, you're calling us from the Eastern Cape. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> Look, I applied for the SRD and they say a source of income has been identified. Apparently, in as fast, but I haven't been a student since last year because the NSFAS hasn't been paying me because there was a strike there. So I don't know how can there be a source of income from NSFAS if I'm not a student. Hello. Yes, that is a Toha. Yes, ma'am. I think um, all what I can ask the caller to do is is to is to submit an appeal. Because, um, like I've indicated, um, in this particular instance, it would, it would mean when we checked with NSFAS, they had his name there as one of uh, the beneficiaries. Remember, we are not NSFAS. So when we check with them, they say you are one of the, of the beneficiaries of that subsidy. We, we trust what we see. But if you, as the, as the caller, are saying that is not true, we had a strike, they couldn't continue financing us, you lot uh, submit an appeal, and um, the, the the process of an appeal will then, um, if they corroborate with your story, you will then be approved. Does that help you, anonymous? Uh, amongst other reasons of social income, they also show this. You know, they say I was IRP five. I've been unemployed since 2019. So these sources of income is two different <coughs> ones they they're showing now. Mm. With the previous uh, rollout of the SRD, they said an IRP. But, but, but at that time, I was unemployed also. So basically, so so anonymous. I just Sorry? want to I just want to make sure I'm hearing you clearly. The first time you applied, they said mm. you were it, it was the IRP five given as a reason so that you were receiving some kind of income. Mm. The second time, they said you were an ESFAS recipient. Mm. And, and and you you don't receive any money from NASFAS no. and you haven't been employed? No. Okay. That that is very strange. And that is a talk. So this, this thing that he's talking about, yes. wherever... And we have a recourse mechanism, Kathy. Um, I can tell you now, um, we have um, 287... 
287,000 of people that had applied in the past that we, when they applied now, we had, uh, we had declined them due to different reasons. Some are now government employees. Um, some are now appearing on, um, on uh, MSFAS. Some are registered on UIF. But like I said, if um, the caller is, uh, is uh, really adamant, we have a recourse mechanism. They can submit an appeal. We will uh, go uh, uh, check, recheck um, additional sources, such as the bank accounts, etc. If um, the outcome is corroborated with his story, Sasa will um, uh, reconsider his decision and he shall be paid. Uh, but what about Sasa getting it right in the first instance? Because the fact that there can even be two different reasons given for why he doesn't qualify suggests to me that the identification processes themselves within Sasa are flawed. But, Kathy, mm. the fact that there's two different reasons um, provided, that we provided then and what we are providing now, there's nothing wrong. People's financial circumstances can change at any time. Like I said, these applicants, we, we recheck them on a monthly basis with the data sources that are availed to us. So there yeah. is nothing wrong with that. So I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that they can't be different based on whatever evidence you are finding. But in Anonymous's case, they were wrong in both instances. And that's what I'm pointing to that how can Sasa get it wrong in both cases? So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning here the verification mechanisms and the extent to which those mechanisms are actually reliable in, in as far as the data that they're providing. So it's one thing so, if Anonymous had been, you know, he had the IRP5 situation first and then became a recipient of NASFAS, and that was identified. It's a different scenario if he says, I was neither employed nor a recipient of NASFAS, and yet those came up as reasons for why I was denied uh, access to the grant. So, so, so look, look, at, look at this gentleman who wrote an, an opinion uh, piece on one of these uh, newspapers who, who, who projected a case similar to the caller. Now, on face value, you read the, the, the document that he has written. It's so convincing. But when we go back, remember, he's, he's saying, you are wrong. Your verification is wrong. Now, we go back and recheck further. And we find him to be having five bank accounts, three of them being extremely busy. So I think here, uh, Casey and the listeners, what we need to understand is that we as SASA have an obligation to check to, or to verify every applicant with those databases that are outlined in the regulation. And if the data, the, the data sources which are given to us have your name on there, we will definitely reject you. But because we know that uh, possibly it may happen, that uh, maybe your circumstances might have happened and that data source might have not been uh, uh, updated because we're not maintaining the database for, for ESCOM, Telcom, uh, SARS, and UIF. We, 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 we are not maintaining those databases. But we are saying, should it happen that you are, you are objecting that outcome, there is a recourse. There is a recourse. That recourse is there for a reason. 
that um, we are aware that uh, it can happen, that some database might, uh, which we was provided to us, uh, might be a month uh, behind. And therefore, for, to give um, the applicant benefit of doubt, there is a recourse mechanism, which is the appeal process. There is nothing wrong submitting appeal. Fani Setoha, the General Manager for Grants Operations at SASA, will continue the conversation after this. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation with Fani Setoha, the General Manager for Grants Operations at SASA. Of course, we've got just a couple of minutes remaining for this conversation. Let me go to Orange Farm. Uh, Mulibeledi, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Kathy. Mm. Uh, I'm going to be brief uh, because of time. Uh, I was um, an, uh, unemployed, I've been unemployed since 2018, and I received a UIF during 2019, and ended 2019. 2020, I applied for SRD. I was declined because of the UIF that I was not in at that moment, and I didn't appeal. This year, I... I at the end, at the end of 2020, I received 350. They sent me an SMS to collect from the post office. I collected because I didn't make any appeal. This year I applied. Now they are telling me I was declined because there's income. I've got a side income. The side income in my bank account. Uh, uh, my niece is sending me money for me to travel look mm. for job and to come and help him at his house. I don't know if I, I should suffer because somebody else is helping me and only it's those hundred rent and sometimes he sends money for me to buy materials to fix in in her house. Mm-hmm. And I called the hotline this morning and they told me even if I'm I'm gonna appeal, they are still gonna decline me because I'm getting money from somewhere. And there are people who, are, who have businesses, small businesses, they are having income, daily income, but they are still getting the, the grants. I don't know what, what is the difference there, what is the recourse? Mm-hmm. Because apparently I can't appeal because still I'm going to be declined. Mr. Setuha? Um, I think, let me um, just correct. We can appeal, Kathy. Um, I encourage him to appeal. He must not stop to appeal. Let him appeal so that we go and re-verify him. But, Kathy, um majority of us um, as Africans, we have extended family members that we are supporting one way or the other. And, and, and so that they can either go look for jobs or so that they can attend to be able to meet their their basic daily needs. In reality, Kathy, understand uh, uh, where this is. We, when we do these verifications, of course, if he had appeals and then we go and check that and realize that there is money getting into the, the deposits that are uh, going into his account, will definitely be uh, will definitely uh, reject his application because. Remember, this grant Kathy, is meant for those individuals that who are not uh, lucky enough to even get such kind of help, such kind of support. They don't have anything. What is getting in that account is zero, nothing, zilch. 
So in a nutshell, um, uh, what I'm saying is that I encourage him to uh, uh, submit his appeal so that we, 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 we run him through the process with everyone else. And um, if the situation has changed, he will, he will be approved um, um, uh, for this particular grant. So, so uh, you know, in some instances, you'll find that people, yes, have absolutely nothing. But where they are getting some kind of support, like he's saying 100 rand, inconsistently from a family member that is just, you know, trying to help them get by through the month or through the next couple of months. Surely there must be a a case to be made that an individual like that should still be able to qualify uh, in terms of accessing the grant. I can tell you, if he's getting 100 rand and he appeals, he will definitely get the grant. He will definitely get the grant because um, the, 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 some threshold level there, it's, um, it's just below 600 rand, I think, which we are looking for. Um, so if he's getting past 100 rand, he will definitely uh, be able to get the grant. Um, All right. I, I, that one I can confirm. I can put my head on the block. If it is only 100 rand that is getting into that account on a monthly basis, he will definitely get approved if he meets the rest of the other criteria. All right. Uh, let's leave it there then. Jabu, in Nelspreet, very quickly for me, please. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be quick. I just find it somehow being very arrogant, talking about these offices not being the size of the, of the soccer field. Why can't you get a mobile van that can go to the communities, village by village, township by village, and help those people there, instead of relying on much more on, on, on online services, where we see that we're struggling and... Every day we listen to this show, the, 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 the call center doesn't work. We need to get mobile fans, go to the communities and help those people face to face there. And then we'll get somewhere. Thank you, Kenzie. All right. All right, Jabu. Thanks for calling in. I think just a contribution and comment there by Jabu from Nelspreet. We've come out, uh, we've run out of time for our program today. Uh, Fanisa Toha, let me thank you again, the General Manager for Grants Operations at SASA. I hope it has been an insightful session for you. And again, you know, we'll need to keep having these updates at least until everybody's able to get their money. The big issue, of course, is the, the, the cash send options matter. The fact that all of those people who chose the cash send option are still not receiving their, their grants. And as yet, no clear date of when that will happen. And and so it remains a fundamental reason for why so many don't have their grant payments. All right, it's just gone midday. In fact, it's one minute afternoon. Uh, it's over to Sakina Kamendo with the update at noon. Sakina, good afternoon.